calls of this nature. Dial seven. Hello. Babe, I miss you. Are you in love? Do you feel it in your stomach? Does it twist and turn and scream and burn and start to make you cry, but you like it? Don't want to let it slip away? Does it stretch into your throat until you don't know what to say? Does it hold you under its pillow in the night? It kills you with its passion and its endless beam of light. When you see yourself in the future, frail and gray, who do you want beside you when you wake to start your day? Yeah, it's extreme. I know what you're gonna say. I'm being too dramatic, but this feeling feels this way. Are you in love? Do you feel it in your spine? Shaking, waking, tearing, breaking, taking a sweet time. But you want it. Yeah, you need it to breathe. You're never sure of what is pulling from its sleeve. If you said yes to all the things above, then yes, my friend, I'm sorry. It appears you're in love. wetlock my true unscripted chronicles as a prison wife join me on my journey as i bring you crazy stories informative facts updates on my husband advice from my family and friends and special guests giving their true life stories on the prison system this is not your average love story welcome to wetlock Hey guys, welcome to bonus episode 10 part one. Guys, I have something different for you guys today. Um, normally, of course, you know, I jump into my thank yous and my Q and A's, but I have decided, um, after bonus 17, reading a letter that was written by Matthew Baker Jr. to his attorney, that was very difficult for me to get through. I have decided that I am going to use my platform and my voice to help help him. I don't know. He it something about his letter, something about his story. Um this little boy touched my heart and I just keep calling him a little boy cuz I mean he could be my brother. He has really touched my heart in a way where I just want to help and do whatever I can to bring him home, to bring um, awareness to what is actually going on with him. As I stated in bonus episode, I'm sorry, as I stated in episode 17, um, I wrote, I read this letter. It was very hard for me to get through this letter, but I asked of you guys to Google him, do a little research. Um, if you go to my social media, you will see his change.org petition for you guys to sign. If, if, if you guys um, feel it in your heart to do so, you know, I'm never going to push anything on anyone. Everyone is entitled to their opinions. Everyone is entitled to, you know, handle things emotionally how they feel fit. But I just urge you guys, if you read his story, 
if God pushes you into the direction to stand with me on this, please sign his petition, guys. You can find it on my personal Facebook and my personal Instagram, and it will be posted as well on the Wetlock social media platforms. Of course, you know the Instagram is Wetlock Chronicles Podcast, and Twitter is Wetlock Podcast. So on this bonus episode 10 part one, I am going to be talking to Demita Bishop of Fair, who has been advocating for Matthew as well as his mom. Now, guys, this interview is very, very long. It's actually broken up in two parts, which will be part one and part two. And it gets very emotional. It really gets very emotional um, between me and her with this conversation So, guys, I just ask for you to please continue tuning in. Please continue listening. Um, This is just something that God led me to do, to share his story, to talk to his mom. I myself will be in contact with him um, as soon as possible. I just have to meet this kid. I really have to meet this kid. Um, I just feel as if I need to insert myself into his life and do whatever I have to do to help him. And now I'm going to give a quick disclaimer about this as well. You know, I'm very passionate about anything that I do. When I care, I care. When I love, I love. And it is extremely hard. Um, If you know me, if you have any type of relationship with me, any type of dealing with me, you know that I'm extremely protective over the ones that I love. So I'm saying all this to say how I feel, who I care about, what I believe in. I stand on it 100%. I do not tolerate disrespect. I do not tolerate slander. I will not be harassed, nor will I deal with any type of level of disrespect coming my way because of my choice to tell his story and to stand by his mother, Demita, as well as him. So that is my disclaimer. Um, I urge you to proceed with caution if you decide you want to comment on how you feel about this because anything malicious, anything negative, anything slanderous, anything violently um, expressed will be shut down immediately. So again, thank you guys for tuning in and joining me on bonus episode 10 part one. And yes, of course, I will have Jojo and Michelle on part two, as well as the continuation of my interview with Matthew's mom. Again, guys, bonus episode 10 part one. As you guys know, I have started a support group, Fed Up Wives, supporting wives of incarcerated federal inmates. This is a nonprofit organization set to help both emotionally and mentally, but financial as well. To contact Fed Up Wives, please email fedupwives.org at gmail.com. The contact number is 404 927 8011. Please like and join the Facebook page, Fed Up Wives Organization. You guys have supported me, and now it is time for me to support you. Now back to the show. Well, you guys, we have reached my favorite part of the episode, and that is giving you the updates on my husband. 
My husband is amazing, of course. His spirits are up and minutes are too, guys. So, you know, we are doing good. I sent him some pictures. He got them yesterday. So he was super excited about that. Of course, pictures of moi. And I also sent him pictures of some of my cakes. My husband loves to brag about his amazing, talented wife. So I sent him, per his request, some of my cakes. I have more to send him. He literally wants me to send all the cakes. But he was happy for what he got. Um, he told me yesterday that when he wakes up in the morning, he looks up and boom, there I am. And I just thought that was so adorable. But my husband is doing amazing, guys. I tried to slip in visitation again yesterday and it was still a no-go. But he did say if I really wanted to come, he cannot stop me. He will not stop me. But he just feels like it's a waste of time to get on the road for all those hours just to come sit behind glass you know he wants to hug me he wants to touch me he wants to kiss me my husband wants to smell my hair just all kind of stuff so I can understand why he feels the way he feels it would be torture for him to have to go back you know into confinement and just really seeing me through glass I mean hell he can look at pictures for that so I understand where he's coming from and out of respect and love for my husband you know I'm just gonna wait hopefully this visitation will change it will get back to normal you know after the COVID restrictions I just hope and pray that things really truly get back to normal so until then I will wait it out I will just continue to talk to my husband and email my husband and continue to send him pictures um but outside of that again guys my husband is amazing thank you guys for keeping him in your prayers thank you guys for keeping him uplifted thank you for keeping me in your prayers because your girl me needing those prayers but again guys thank you for joining me thank you for tuning in to this bonus episode i'm going to kind of speed through this segment of my amazing husband because i have so much more to cover this as you see is a very important bonus episode so again thank you guys for joining me and tuning in and being on this journey our journey this is bonus episode 10 part one Hey guys, so I am so excited. Joining me today is my friend, my personal hero, and super advocate, Demita Bishop, co-founder of FAIR. for um taking your time out of your busy schedule to talk to your old friend <laughs> me <laughs> so and it's your birthday i know i told you happy birthday like twice already today but i'm gonna tell you again happy birthday love you friend um i, I hope your day has you. i hope your day has been as awesome as you Oh, girl, you better stop making me cry. Thank you. 
Okay, so let me jump into these questions. Um, first of all, let me just get this out the way for all of the naysayers and the and the people who you know have been making little comments and things. Um, that you are ordained and you were actually the one who officiated me and my <laughs> husband's wedding October 6, yes. 2021. Mm -hmm. This is Demita Bishop, guys. She is ordained as my friend. She, she did it for me because I wanted her to officiate our wedding when he came home. But, you know, the federal government has something else in mind. But still... This is what yeah, I said so he made wedding. me do it. <laughs> exactly. He made me do it so he can be married to his wife. <laughs> That's right. So she is available for services, guys. <laughs> but um, okay. So <laughs> you are too. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, we can do double weddings. Um, okay. So <laughs> my first question is: How has Fair opened your eyes to the prison system? Oh my God, I wish I never stepped into this life. <laughs> and as I said, it's a whole world that was going on right before my eyes and it changed everything that I ever heard about prison. Like um, everybody in prison swears that they're innocent and um, just everything. And you know, it made me understand more why they kept saying slavery never ended because there's too many layers to this and we'd be here all day if I told you everything that I've uncovered and it just hurts my soul that humans are going through this no matter what race they are no one deserves to be there too long or not there at all or under those conditions and nobody deserves that and um the government is just more corrupt and wicked than I ever imagined and I wish I didn't know <laughs> I wish I was. I wish I could go back to three years ago, and I would have minded my business. Right, unsee, unsee the scene. <laughs> unsee it, right. And and as your friend, I mean, listening to you and and you calling me when when these things happen, it just it it definitely throws a monkey wrench in my in my thought process and plans too. So I, I definitely yes. uh. And I'm thinking that about myself. I'm trying not to tell y'all too much because y'all like when you talk to me you want your girlfriend still and i've known that i've become like a, a buzz kill to everybody because it's like it's always on my mind but so, you know what so that's no but you know what that is the part about it that I actually admire because it's your passion. Like when you eat, sleep and breathe something, that's your passion. So that's why I don't really you know, I don't I don't I just support whatever you want to talk about. You know what I'm saying? Like I mean, if I feel like I want to be like, okay, hold on, pause for a second, sidebar, let's talk about this real quick, but it's your passion yeah. and and I just I'm excited for you. Um you know when you call about these things these breakthroughs and stuff like that so it, it really doesn't bother me because it just shows me like just your your eagerness and your hungerness in it and so i i just fully support it as you see i i don't turn down any of the conversations if i throw something no, in there have. it'll be like okay sidebar real quick or let me tell you this real quick or i'll call you first and say hey i gotta tell you something but other than that, no, like I, it, it, it's, it's admirable, totally, one hundred percent. Um, okay, and so I, say, I know you got questions, but I want to say this while your listeners are on the phone. Okay. Um, you don't, y'all don't know how wonderful Rashida is because she knows 
the story of me. She knows that I was on top of the world and then all of a sudden my world came crashing down right before this all started happening. And Rashida is the reason I'm even still here because she talked me out of the dark moments where I didn't want to be here anymore. And so Rashida has a love for me that it's almost like no matter what, she can't do no wrong. She hasn't done wrong, but she can't do no wrong because I remember those days when nobody but her would talk to me and she stayed on the phone with me days and days and days just so I wouldn't take my life. And there's right now, Rashida, 2.7 million people in the world are glad that you did that. And I just wanted to Lord have mercy. Is somebody in my my backseat cutting onions? Damn it. Oh my God. Okay. Let's, oh Lord, where's my Kleenex? Um, Okay. So (laughs) it's okay. It's okay. Because, you know, as we talked about this earlier, Everybody likes to feel appreciated. I don't care who you are. Just to feel appreciated, that's all sometimes a person wants. You don't you don't have to have things. You don't have to have gifts. You don't have to have money. It's just the genuine appreciation um that people look for sometimes. Um especially for people that are overlooked when they do so much or put in so much or love so much. So you know, it, it means the world to me for you to even say that. And, you know, coming from, how, you know me as a friend, like, I don't even look for that. I just look for, I'm with you, I'm down, whatever you need from me. And it's just at that point, that that's that's where it starts and that's where it ends. So, thank right. you, thank you, thank you for, 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 for saying that. You, I will definitely say this, if nobody gives me my flowers, you definitely give me my flowers. Um, okay, so how many cases are you involved in right now? Like to date right now, how many cases are you involved in? Um, that I've got on my own 143 nationally and all together. And, and I'm going to say every last case in the country because everything that anybody does affects somebody else's case too. So if I make a breakthrough on a law, that law affects cases now and to come. And it's all because of how the system works. Um, I told you, remember I told you earlier that I made a breakthrough on a case and they sealed the document so no one else can get that. Right. Because if, if that information got out that, you know, we put that on a document and someone got relieved, everyone's going to flood the courtroom saying the exact same sentence that I said to get that man released. So they had to, they didn't have to, they sealed the document so that no one else will find that out. And, and it would free up, I think it said six, 7,000 people nationally just from one little small thing that I said. But it <laughs> always implies a constitution. And when I tell you, as we talk, we said before, and, and this is just me putting a little game out there for the listeners, every problem has a solution. Every formula everything has a formula to it every everything written down somewhere within that decoded is the answer every formula has an answer and the thing that i have noticed with with you dd is you are uncovering some things and it's making some people nervous and it's shaking some things up Mm -hmm. but that is what 
every great person who's walked this earth has done and from day one i have always told you that you are definitely walking into greatness and changing history because you're no different than than the malcolm x than the martin luther king than the medgar evers than the frederick douglases the rosa parks the julian bonds you're you're no different than than any of these people um now give me three laws three laws that you can think of off the top of your head that most people overlook like like the laws the rights are 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 what are the three things that people really really overlook when it comes down to defending themselves or knowing their rights that that's just right there in front of their face they besides you have the right to remain silent because for some reason people forget that one okay and i'm gonna say this because it's important the right i'm glad you said that never defend yourself and never tell your side of the story. You're going to get caught in their web because there's something that you're going to say that's going to incriminate you and it gives them a time. It gives them the, the crime that they're going to pin on you and a lot of the South's crimes especially has mandatory minimums of life. So for example, me and Rashida get into a fist fight. Rashida calls the police on me and she says um, Didi came into the house and she punched me in the face. Assault. Second, she grabbed me by the throat. That makes it aggravated assault. She drugged me in the kitchen. Most important, stop. I kidnapped her because I took her more than six feet and she didn't want to go. She pushed me in the bedroom and closed the door. I just gave her false imprisonment. That's right there. I got two life sentences plus 25 years. All from what she said. Is Rashida dead? No. But the way Rashida described that crime, I gave a good prosecutor kidnapping, false imprisonment, and aggravated assault. Two life sentences plus 25 years. And and those are part of the deadly sins, correct? It is. Now, when you hear, the reason why I tell people to stay with your family, because in the South, the laws are written to where if you, anybody can miss them, anybody can get caught in these laws, they do the wrong thing. So the laws are not what we think they are. Like there's people that are serving armed robbery instead of robbery. And you think, well, what's the difference? Well, robbery is up to 25 years if there's no weapon. But armed robbery is life. And you can be considered armed robbery in the South if a person thinks you have a gun. So if they get on the record saying, oh, I thought Rashida have a gun, that just took you from robbery to armed robbery, even though you really didn't have a gun. And it's all because of the way the law is written. And so you are going to be guilty of that. Not because of what we know, but because of the way the law is written. And if you advocate for somebody, that's the most important thing you need to do. Because you're going to understand exactly how to fight for them. If they're saying, but I didn't commit this crime, and then you read the statute, and you see that, oh yeah, they committed that crime because of the way the law is written. Like if the law says you can't cha-cha slide, and then I say, well, Rashida, did you slide to the left? And you say, well, yes. Did you slide to the right? Yeah. Did you crisscross? Well, that's the cha-cha slide, and that's 25 years mandatory minimum in our state. And it sounds unfair, but she did violate the crime, so she goes in prison. And they tell someone who don't know the law, help me, I, I shouldn't be here, and they get you crying. But when you read the law, you say, well, you are guilty based on what this law say. But based on what the human nature knows, that's not fair. You shouldn't be in prison for this. And that's why they say um, the 13th Amendment needs to be abolished. Mandatory minimums need to be thrown out. And these evil, wicked laws, they need to check them, especially the outdated ones, 
that is on everybody's RICO. And I'm going to tell you, every RICO has this law, the um, interstate commerce. Interstate commerce was made in 1887 for railroads. But if you do anything on an app that, you're, that, that they considered illegal, they're going to add interstate commerce, commerce to you, and you're going to be lost on what you did. And that's and pretty much because of a certain... Is that because of a server is considered? If if yeah, I see, it all depends. If, okay, where the, where is located? If you don't live where their server is, right? So if you live like we learned, I told you about Snapchat servers in California. Mm -hmm. So if me and Rashida are sending illegal stuff through Snapchat, we're gonna also get interstate commerce because of Snapchat servers. Because we're not in California and their servers are, so it had to go to Georgia, California, Georgia to get to you know to make the transaction. I'm telling you, I'm sticking with my story. I believe that vampires made uh, these laws back in the 1800s. I mean, I, I don't even know. Like, the, it, with, with, with time, things change with time. And I feel like certain laws need to, you have so many laws that's added. Some things need to be changed due to the way things are now. Um, and that, that, when I tell you, I've learned so much from listening to you because it's like it all makes sense now. It makes sense, but it makes sense. It's almost like I got a blueprint now in front of me versus me just having a book of words. You know, I, I see the outline. I, I, I see the structure. I, I can see it a little bit different. And that is what people, what's most important. People need to look at it as a, as a, as a blueprint. Um, okay, so my next question is... Personally, personally, how has ch how has fair changed your life on on a on a personal note? Um, it's, I mean, in so many ways, but I feel close to the God because I feel like you know I don't have any funding and and I'm just me and I'm really a one person show. But with God on your side, as long as you're moving for Him and because of Him, anything is possible. So my prayers tonight are to show me what I need to show to help whoever I'm helping for the next day. Give me the words. Tell me what to look for. Show me the path. And everybody that I've connected with, whether it's someone who used to be in prison or is currently in prison, gives me the knowledge that I need to help anybody that comes in contact with me. And I, like I said, I have no funding, but that makes me one of the most valuable activists in the nation because I got the answers to damn near every problem because I'm connected to everybody which is which is amazing within itself um okay so now you recently introduced me to well I've been knowing about Matthew Baker um because this is something that you have been advocating for um something that you have been extremely passionate about and now um since you have introduced me to his story it has rocked me. It, it has rocked me. Uh, I feel like I have a, a spiritual little brother. Like I have adopted adopted him. Um, and his story just has done something to me. Like even today, I've been riding around. I cannot get this boy. And I keep calling him a little boy because I just feel like he's grown. But he's he's just, to me, he's, he's a kid. You know, I still, he's like a little brother. So, I mean, I still call my little brother my little brother. He's a grown-ass man married with two kids. But Matthew is right. still like I feel like he's like a little brother he could be my son you know my nephew or something like that right. so I have really taken to heart his story um 
And although my platform is really about chronicalizing, you know, my husband, the ups and downs, relationships, the love stories, you know, and that's what is centered around. But at the same time, I still want to give facts. I still want to use my voice and my platform to help incarcerated people because the wives are tied to the husbands and majority of everybody that i deal with it's the husbands um it's the men our black man that's incarcerated um tell me who is matthew baker and what do the listeners need to know about his case matthew is if you only get to know when have you had your visit with him yet i have not and i'm, I'm so ready because Matthew is your, you're going to see, when you talk to him, you're going to see your nephew, your cousin, your brother when he was younger. And it's going to piss you off even more what they're doing to him. Matthew is a very good kid. He's not perfect, but he is a very, very good kid. And he's his mama. He loves his mama. And as you've met her, I, I can understand why. Yeah. So Matthew is a good kid, but this is a classic case of, I don't, you know, when I first heard it, I thought that they were trying to set him up and then the, um, Jacob had a change of heart, but that's not what it was. Um, it, you know, Jacob didn't even expect, because I'm now connected with him too, because, okay, let me back up. The fact that Angie reached out to me on my birthday of last year, because my former boss told her about me, but then two months later, Jacob was sitting in his cell and they were watching Say Fair Friday, my former podcast. And he reached out to me to help Matthew. So that let me know that God wants me to help Matthew. But Jacob wrote me a letter basically saying that, look, they got back Baker, get him out of there. I wrote everybody. I wrote the DA. I wrote everybody. And no one's listening to me. Why are they still holding him? I did this. And they say the accessory law. But when you read the law, the law is written to say a person has to be intentionally a part of the crime. You have to either provide the means to commit the crime, have knowledge of the crime, or you manipulated them to cause a crime. So, but you have to intentionally be this. You can't just be in a room and you're guilty of the crime. And if you don't, if you don't say that on your record, they're going to they're going to get a lot of people on that accessory and the conspiracies because they tell you what it means instead of showing you the actual statue where you can see, wait a minute, look at this word means this. So they play on that. And that's what Matthew's attorneys made me feel that they were trying to do. So they keep pushing a life without plea on him. And I tell anybody, I don't care if you did it, never sign life because things change. There might be a rule that says you're allowed to murder if you have on a red shirt and you look, wait, on the day of the crime, I had on a red shirt, mm -hmm. but you signed a plea and a plea of the contract. Now you can't go home. If that plea is anything of a life sentence and you did it, make them take you to trial. Use the taxpayer dollars and go to trial. Um, and with that being said, you know that I reached out to Brian Nichols and you were like, girl, you don't lost your damn mind. Are you crazy? <laughs> I did. But, Matthew, but Brian Nichols is the key to me helping Matthew because he disclosed some very important information to me. They bled the capital defense fund for trying to avoid the death penalty for him. They bled it. They, they fought it because the prosecution wouldn't drop it. So they bled it. So now, ever since Brian Nickel, anybody that has a capital crime that fights for their freedom loses. So wow. right there, I put it out there that I'm aware of that because you don't have enough money to give him the case, he, the trial he deserves. You don't have enough money to let him use his constitutional right of a fair trial. He's already set up to lose. So I got ahead of it. I got that information out there and the facts to prove it. 
everybody has lost under these people that you got representing him. So now you know we're watching. So I got that out. I let Matthew know that we don't have a choice but to fight because if you don't want to take the plea, the only way you piss them off is because now you're making them do this. So fight. And, um, you know, it's two of us plus his mother, doing, um, Kaylin Womack and his mother were all working to help Matthew. And the attorneys get mad, which pisses me off. Because if you're my attorney and you tell me that you can tell from the text that I'm innocent, but because of a law that you're misusing, I need to take a plea, you're already fellow Matthew. I mean, so how, I how do you represent me if you're telling me I'm innocent, but you want me to plea as a guilty person? That's that's not right. You're not representing. You don't have my best interest at heart at all. And this is the worst punishment you can get in a country. You took a kid who didn't have a phone and blamed him for somebody asking for a ride. He didn't have a car and you tried to blame him for giving this guy a ride after he killed the people. Um, and I, I told Matthew, I said, you got to use common sense when you're talking to them. Don't wait until you get sentenced and say, why did they blame this on me? Tell them right. now why you have the record. Right, right. Because and I said, tell them everything you're feeling. How can you possibly blame me when he has schizophrenic and schizophrenia and I didn't even know him? How could you possibly t expect for me to stop him from shooting all these people and he's got schizophrenia in a gun? How can you possibly think that? You know, he tells us that he wants to hop in a car with us and we're not scared and thinking we better not do what he says. Now, you gave all these white children the benefit of the doubt, but the black kid better play superhero and save them, right? I said, nope, get it on record now. Say whatever you feel. Because if you don't say it in your trial, you can't say it in your appeal and you're going to lose. And you'll still be in prison. So I just threw another nugget at you. <sighs> Like I said, um, that letter, that letter that he wrote, it just resonated yeah. with me. Um, reading before you go any further on that letter, Matthew was mad because I said, I'm scared when he said, I'm concerned. And I said, okay, I had to add a little drama to it, Matthew. I'm sorry. So if you hear this, Matthew, I'm sorry for saying the wrong word. We know you gangster. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But he was mad. He goes, he goes, um, why did you say scared? I didn't say it's scared. I said concerned. Okay, my fault. I was just trying to put a little drama in it, but okay. Well, hell, we, I'm so scared. <laughs> like, because right. these people play dirty. But even outside of that, just the whole defend me, it was just, just different things that he said. Um, it, it just, it's, it has stuck with me. You know, it, it stuck with me because, again, like, from what I've read, you know, talking to his mother, talking to you, I'm sitting here like, my God, to just be somewhere knowing you didn't do something and you cannot go home and you've been sitting there for six years. It, it just, I told his mom, I said, it feels like quicksand. It, it's almost like you got an arm that's reaching out to pull you, but you keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And that has got to be the most suffocating feeling in the world. And my heart just goes out to him and you know i'm not an advocate you know i have made it very very clear that i do not want to be an advocate because i will be advocating for myself uh to get out of jail because i just i get so personal and passionate about stuff like this i'm a, a protector by nature and it has really bothered me you know it's really bothered me but i know one thing for sure just like i told his mom she's amazing um 
I know she's going to do everything in her power for the truth to come out. And with you by her side, I know that Matthew was coming home. I felt it when I talked to her on the phone. It, it, I had literally chills going up and down my body talking to this, talking to her on the phone about her son. So, I know... Well, the thing about it is, is that we've already uncovered the truth because they would not give us the discovery. So, they left me no choice but to quit my job and go sit in every hearing with him. And so when you go to the hearings, they're actually reading from the discovery. And so we know Matthew didn't have any gunpowder or blood on his skin or clothing. We know his fingerprints didn't touch the gun. And those are the most important things. And nobody's statement so far um, has incriminated him. It's just the um, district attorney and the prosecution, for whatever reason, is trying to pin this on him. And they're using the accessory law. So with that being said, the only thing that's going to save him is if Matthew's attorneys defend him and argue him and not let the um, prosecution control the narrative. If they don't let Matthew speak and all you hear is the um, prosecution, we're going to lose Matthew. So I told Matthew that his, his, his weapons in that courtroom is the stenographer because she's recording everything in his voice. So I told him whatever they don't say, you ask me, you address the court and you stand up and you say it. And, um, and that's why I made him write that letter because we, if he loses his own, the first line of defense is about it. Your rep, your attorney didn't represent you well. So I told him to write down uh, whatever you feel can help you win this case and demand it. And I said, you have to say the word demand. I said, they do not work for you. You work for them. So I made him write it. I said, demand they do your, their job for you. So, and this is like, you know, a last little thing so we can get it in email format so we have it documented that this is what I told them to do. If they don't do it, we have protection for, you know, hopefully not the appeal, but if so, we have our um, misrepresentation of counsel ready to go. Because I'm, we make him, I mean, he's no longer allowed, nobody that I advocate for is allowed to talk directly to their attorneys. You need to get it in writing. And then if you can't, if you have to talk to them, then you follow it up with an email as per our conversation this is what you said to me yeah you have if to create a paper trail you have you got to create you yeah. have to create a paper trail and evidence at this point yeah i make everybody do that because it makes them know you're paying attention and if they tell you anything wrong you're going to definitely win your uh, misrepresentation of counsel so even if they say well the district attorney said this i need to see an email or something stating that the district attorney said that they don't like that my my biggest i think my biggest issue with this and you know this is this i mean this is just this is not even a legal statement that i'm about to make it is but it isn't i just have come to a point where i'm still trying to understand i'm, I'm stuck i'm stuck in this thought i am still trying mm -hmm. to understand how it is that a witness testimony, a witness statement, a witness saying, pointing somebody out saying, yes, he did it. How can that convict someone? How can that be the nail in the coffin for someone? But a person can say, I did it. It wasn't this person. It was all me. They had nothing to do with it. How is it that that statement cannot 
release somebody. I'm so confused if I admit to a crime and say it was me. I mean, it's it's and the reason why I'm stuck is because before there was the the DNA, how people were finding out who did what with DNA, a lot of stuff was done on witness testimony. So when you come back and prove that these people were wrong, they saw the wrong person, whatever the case may be, boom. It's like, it, here comes the exoneration. Here comes all this kind of stuff. So I'm trying to understand if somebody can come back and say 20 years later, you know what? We found out that Matthew wasn't, after somebody has already said this, after the actual person has already said this, how is it that this is not an open and shut case? Why has he not come home after, after the person who actually has done it? has written several people news everybody and has said it was me it wasn't him not to mention they didn't even really know each other now i'm not trying to be funny but this is just this is just me being rashida this is just me being me i'm not taking penitentiary chances for nobody i met in three days right I'm not really going to take it for a lifetime friend, but I'm damn sure not going to take it for somebody I just met in three days. Right. Like, so, so those are the things that, that stick out the most to me. Um, because to me, it's like common freaking sense. You know what I'm saying? It's common sense to me. It is. I don't know. The only thing I can think of is the parents of the deceased. They, I, I don't know why they're not satisfied with a, a six over six foot tall, stocky young man with schizophrenia that stole a gun, did all this by himself. I don't know why they're, they're, they want the only black kid at the party to go down for this too. But they're evil because we, they're sitting in court every time I'm there. So you're hearing exactly what I hear. You know he didn't have nothing to do with this. But they're not letting it go. You know it. You know you're hearing the same thing I'm hearing. You're hearing the same testimony I'm hearing. You're hearing the same evidence, but they won't let go. They want Matthew to die. Oh, that I, just does. It does. It does something to my. It does something to my soul because if I was a parent. You know, I'm somebody's daughter, I'm somebody's sister, you know, I'm somebody's wife. Let me tell you something. I want justice. That means that whoever did it, I want justice. So if it's this person, this is who I want. And this I want justice. I'm not I want the truth. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't sleep at night and live for the rest of my life knowing that I potentially put somebody away for the rest of their life because I'm mad. Because I got so much hate in my heart. I can't see you know, I have tunnel vision. And so that really bothers me too. And I explained that to Angie. Like, I don't understand how the hate can be so, so blinding. So blinding that instead of you really wanting true justice and the truth, you know, this is what you're seeking. And this is what we're trying to give you. But you're blinded by hate. And it's hard to just, it's hard not to even pull the race card into this. You don't want to, but right. it's like, Please explain. Explain. And I don't like to use it because no document, the only thing that you can use that get on, um, get out on post-conviction is anything that's written in a document. And nobody's going to put in a document, I sent it to Matthew Baker because I hate black people. Not, sure. Nobody's going to do that. So you can only use what you can prove and what's on record. Right. So. Well. I thank you, friend. I mean, as I tell you every day, I talk to you, and and when I say I tell her this every day, they say you're supposed to speak 
love, positivity, and, and, and good affirmations into the people that you love. And I try to do that every day. I think you're doing an amazing job. I know that you are going to change history. Um, and I'm just glad I'm able to sit back and kick my heels back and watch because it's it's interesting to me because it's like you're kicking you're kicking them in the ass and i mean who doesn't sometimes just want to laugh at a good ass kicking um when you know that these people are wrong and now you're proving so so many people uh that you're right so i yeah. i'm i'm thankful for you i'm glad that you know you're walking in your purpose and it's going to definitely help a lot of people um from here and 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 years from now you know like you said your case is the you're taking on the world one thing can change so many different people's lives and 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 people who have not even gotten in trouble yet so to speak um and i really really to your listeners yes please my kid knows everything that I know, but I, and I know that people are going to start DMing me with their problems. But what I want to tell you this, because I can't help everybody, all you need to fight back is a dictionary. Whatever they said you did wrong, so the, indict, the indictment um, the, and, your, uh, and the laws. So if they say you're being charged with murder, then you look up all the laws for murder, you know, and so on and so on. So you that's, that's all you need. And, Rashida knows I can't stay on air because, you know, everybody's trying to negotiate how to back that pedal out of this. But two women with a dictionary, the indictment, and the federal law book, and an internet, we, we just stopped something that could have happened from happening. So, are you, so when you see all them charges on your indictment, read what they're saying you did and read what the law is that they're saying you broke them. Because if it don't match, they got to take that off. And all you got to do is write it on there. The biggest thing I want everybody to remember, if they come into you and they offer you a plea and you ain't seen nothing, that is a get out of jail free card because you are coming in here with a plea. You are violating my constitutional right to a fair trial. You're trying to make me sign for some years that I don't even know what I did wrong. But you got to say it's when you say it that makes it effective. As long as you say it right now you are, and you say it in an effective manner, you are violating my constitutional right that says I have a right to a fair trial. You came in here with a 15-year plea, told me that if I don't take it, you're going to go to book at me, and I haven't seen my discovery, and I haven't seen my um, indictment. Right there, you just shut it down, day one. You can go home, but you got to get it on record, so email the judge. And one more and other thing. The one thing that she is definitely about and will tell you, please, people, read the Constitution read the constitution i'm not gonna lie a lot of people don't even know what the constitution says at all at all read the constitution and know and know your rights like seriously you have the right to remain silent never when they arrest you shut up if your attorney's there shut up all you want to know is what am i being accused of that's it you don't say nothing else what am i being accused of all right give me the when you get the complaint, look up the laws about that. It's easy, but look up the actual statute so you read every line. Look like what you did? I don't know. Let me see the indictment. Don't say nothing. Don't say nothing to your attorney. Don't say nothing to nobody. Just wait it out. <laughs> in, that, the, in the words of MC Shane, shut the fuck up. He just said this last week. Shut the fuck up. Period. Shut up. <laughs> Period. So you get scared.
start talking, you start trying to defend yourself, or I was here, it don't matter. What did you, when they arrest you, what did you say? Teach your children, you're under arrest. What did, well, what am I being accused of? If they ask you, we want to know what where you were, what am I being accused of? I ain't got to tell you nothing. Where was I accused of? Get that and get to work. You might shut it all down and go. But when you start talking, they start connecting the crime in you. And you're going to say something to incriminate yourself, even if you was on Mars. And they know, and a good prosecutor knows how to find it. So just shut up. Shut up. What am I being accused of? Get your complaint. Go to that cell and get comfortable. Because you might be there a long time. You might be about to go home. And just pay, get the Constitution, write down which right they violated and when. And then send emails to the prosecution, your attorney, and the judge. And watch what I tell you. The Constitution is the most important thing in your defense. The most important instrument. Well, guys, mm-hmm. you just got a whole lot of legal legal (laughs) you just got a whole lot of legal experiences you just got a whole lot of legal talk legal definitions for free free 99 that's what they got it for um Didi I appreciate you I love you friend keep doing what you doing um thank you so much for for even helping me with my podcast sending me these wonderful couples and definitely for sending me Matthew um, I can't wait to talk to him. And again, thank you. And guys, again, Demita Bishop, her Instagram. Well, do you still have Instagram? Yeah, I just don't know how to get in it because they oh. blocked me out. But okay. I'll figure it out. <laughs> okay, well, her but Facebook, everything-, everything is Demita Bishop. All the way across the board, if you're looking for it, it's Demita Bishop. And um, thank you, friend. I love you so much. And I appreciate you. For taking this time out with me, and I will call you later. A Henry County man will spend the rest of his life in prison for the deaths of four people in 2016. Prosecutors say 25-year-old Jacob Kotsky left a bonfire at a home on Moccasin Gap Road the night of October 26th, then returned with a gun. Three people were found dead when police got there. The fourth victim later died at the hospital. Hello. Hello. Did I catch you at a uh, bad time? No, no, I'm standing outside. I was uh, just had walked outside with my grandbaby real quick. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, I um, I read Matthew's letter um Sunday on my podcast. I barely got through it, but I read it. It was um extremely moving to yeah. say the least. <laughs> um, I I. Um, have a soft spot when it comes to um, issues with um, incarcerated loved ones. Um, my dad was incarcerated and he passed away while he was incarcerated. So it was like just reading it just brought me to an emotional place. So <sighs> I told Didi, I said, girl, that was hard <laughs> for me to do. <laughs> but I wanted to... Um, I wanted to do it. You know, my podcast really talks about um, prison relationships, you know, marriages and and things like that. But every once in a while, something comes across and that was just one of them. And I was like, whatever you need for me to do, however I can help, you know, put this this out here or whatever, I'm going to do it. So I just thank you for letting me call you today and talk to you. 
Well, I'm so glad that you did. Um, you know, sometimes I get a little discouraged with doing the podcast and stuff like that because I just don't think that it's working. Yeah. Or I don't see that it's working, but I know it's working because the more I speak about it, the more people. So if I can just get, you know, anybody to hear it and stuff like that, eventually it's going to come to the right person. It's just sometimes it just gets discouraging because it's like, is this even working? Am I doing anything that's making this work? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Is it worth even talking about? Because is it reaching the right people? You know, just just the things you deal with on a, you know, I guess... I don't know, I guess it's overwhelming sometimes because we're going into almost six years of this, you know what I'm saying? And we yeah. ain't even been in trial. Yeah, I didn't even realize it had it was six years until actually I read the letter. Like I, I just, I guess because, um, you know, being Demita's friend, like I know that she's been talking about it. So of course I'm thinking this is something that just happened until I really read that letter. And when he said six years, I I had no idea it was. It's been six years, so I can understand. Um, the frustration and being overwhelmed because at some point you do kind of feel like I keep talking, but you know, where is this going? I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like you just kind of stuck in the same, in the same place. So I can, I can understand that. But like you said, somebody's going to hear it. It's going to catch the right ear some kind of way. So some, you know, you just, just keep talking, just keep talking and telling his story. Um, and I just commend you. My hat go. I'm not a parent, so I don't know what it feels like to be in a, you know, in a parent's shoes. But I, I'm someone's daughter, you know, and I've I've been, you know, traumatized by the prison system myself. So my hat definitely goes off to you, and of course your son, um, definitely him. Um, yeah, being oof. I mean being a parent is. Um, Relating to it, it it's the same as your it's the same feeling. It's, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's your child. You know what I'm saying? But it's the having a loved one that's incarcerated. Yeah, it's still it's the same feeling. You yeah, know, it's feelings of lost memories, things you can't get back. Yeah, you know? and it's just the same love. The same love you have for your father. Yeah, is the same love you would have for a child. Just it's like 10 times stronger because that's something that you gave birth to and it comes yeah, out of you. Comes you know out of you. So, yeah. 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 That's, 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 Oh gosh. So, okay. Uh, just to bring like on a little, on a, on a happy note, like tell me how was Matthew like as a kid? Like what was he like as a kid? He was, um, I would tell you if, uh, Abby, come on, come on, come on now. If he, if anybody would want to have a kid like Matthew, and I know that kind of sounds selfish to say, mm-hmm. um, cause I try to, I try to not praise him too much uh, like that because, uh, Demetis told me one day, she said, when I met you, she said, you talked about Matthew, like he was this, this golden child. And I was like, I did. I was like, I was just telling you, you know, like how he was. So I try not to do that. You know what I'm saying? But he really is. Um, I mean, he was, I never had to whoop him for nothing. I never got a whooping either. 
<laughs> yeah, I could just look at him and give him that look, and he knew I'm at business. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was a baby, I could tell him, you know, don't don't touch this. And he would look at me, and he might go to, like, touch it, like, the socket or something. I remember that for because I never really had to get onto him much as a baby. Mm-hmm. But, um, he, uh, I told him one night, uh, he was like, maybe eight months old or something. He was crawling and stuff. I said, don't touch the socket. It'll hurt you. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me. He went over there and he touched it. I said, no. I said, no, no. <laughs> don't do it. And he looked at me and I moved him away from it. And then maybe like two minutes later, he went back over again. <laughs> and I popped him. I popped him on his hand. And I said, no. That's a no-no. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. And I turned him away, and he never went back to that socket again. Wow. He just had to touch it, though. <laughs> yeah, you know babies. Yeah, so, but he, curiosity. He, he's, he's always been... He was always a happy baby. Mm-hmm. Always a happy baby. Every time you see him, he was always laughing. He just... As a kid, growing up... I mean, when he was in kindergarten he had to repeat kindergarten twice Mm -hmm. so when he was in kindergarten he was um the first time he was king of kindergarten oh yeah i don't know how he made that but he was king of kindergarten (laughs) and then um the second time he was in kindergarten we actually moved out of the county we were living it in at the time which was in sparring county Mm -hmm. and we moved to henry county Mm -hmm. and um he was he got the hershey kisses award Oh, my goodness. Teacher, I was like, why did you give him the Hershey Kisses Award? And she was like, because he is just the sweetest kid in the class. She was like, he's so lovable. You just want to hug on him all day long. And he's so sweet. And, you know, and he's pretty much had that um, attitude or that demeanor all his life. Mm -hmm. I mean, even still to now, the situation that he's in, he's not mad at anybody. You know what yeah. I'm saying? He's not holding a grudge to nobody. He's not, you know, even to, like, the police officers and stuff. Like, I have, um, let's see, how to explain it? I have a lot of anger towards them. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like you disrespected me you disrespected my son you Mm -hmm. bashed his name you know i'm saying you lied on him but it's really not the officers it's just one person right but my feeling to all of them is you're all the same right and even you know even he says mom you know i'm saying you have to pray for everybody you know don't and if i start talking you know at the side of my neck about them i had to figure out how to say these things he's like mom don't do that just pray right you know pray pray for them pray for the judge pray for my attorneys yeah they're not doing shit for me but pray for my attorneys wow pray for, sounds... you know, this person that person everybody that has wronged him he or says pray us, for them he just says mom just pray for him that's amazing that's amazing like to to even have that kind of attitude like you know i i just was talking to um a friend of my brother's today and i was just telling her how i'm just now getting to the point of being able to you know explore the idea of forgiveness when it comes to my dad's ex-wife 
Um, and I mean, I'm 44. <laughs> He's doing better than me because I'm like you, like I'm, I, you know, just, just to be angry all the time, but to have such an amazing spirit to continue telling you, you got to pray for these people. You got to pray for these people. That's really, really big. Like that's really, really big. That takes a very strong, um, person to be so forgiving when you're the one that's being wronged yeah that's yeah. that's that's really amazing and it's crazy because i was just about to ask you how do you think matthew feels about the words hope faith and trust and it seems like he believes in them all it it it, it i don't even have to ask that question now <laughs> you answered it for me um and that's just amazing that's amazing now, what keeps you going? Like, like what, what, what do you have that, you know, that distracts you or, or, you know, when you have those days, like how, what do you do? How, how do you keep moving forward? Um, I'm sorry. Oh. <sighs> You got an amazing son. I know that. Yeah. Um, Matthew. Matthew keeps me going. His faith is remarkable. Um, I can't, I can't, I feed my strength off of him. Yeah. I mean, I, of course, I do go in mama beast mode, but um, my strength is is pulled off of him, mm-hmm. and of course, God, because I have his sister got killed a couple years ago. Um, his dad had another child. Mm-hmm. Um, she got shot and killed by her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Her, he shot, he shot her, and he shot her mom. The mom lived, but his sister died. Oh and um, that really, and Matthew didn't really have a really tight relationship with her that I knew of mm-hmm. because his dad was, his, you know, biological dad was never really part of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't really get to see his sister much. I, I only remember him talking to her like one time, but when he got older mm-hmm. and he was able to, you know, get around and his friends had cars and stuff like that, I think he did go and visit her and stuff. So he did get to see her a little bit. But as far as I know, you know what I'm saying? I don't know how much of a relationship they have, but I know that when he found out about it, that just kind of really, that just broke his soul a lot. Wow. But we were kind of already going through some things with um, my other two kids. Their dad passed away just like months, like two or three months prior to that. Mm -hmm. So our family was kind of hit with a couple of tragic things. Right. Well, it might not mean much coming from, you know, me, someone who's just meeting you, but... um, you are an amazing mother and the strength that you have to have to be able to um navigate through all of this and 
everything that you have been going through up until six years ago. Like, I mean, that's why your son is amazing. That's why he has what he has. Um, it, it comes from you. So everything you're pulling from him, I'm quite sure he's definitely pulling from you. That That's where he gets yeah. it from. That's definitely where he gets it from. Um, and I, you know... I will continue to pray for for both of you guys. Like I said, he's been on my mind ever since yesterday. Um, just reading that letter really triggered something in me. And, um, you know, I don't know how I can help, but I'm committed to, you know, whatever I can do. You know, um, if they're, you know, for my listeners out there, for anybody who wants to help, you know, wants to help get his story out, you just let me know, you know, what, what can I do? It might not be much, but I will use my platform and my voice, of course. Um, cause it really touched me, you know, I mean, he could be my little brother, you know, he could be my son, you know what I'm saying? Uh, my friend's son, my nephew, and just to know his story, it, it's just, it's um it's a it's 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 very heartbreaking. Um but he's amazing. Like he's truly, truly yeah. an amazing kid to be facing all of this and, and it seems as if his it's not breaking his spirit and that alone no. is phenomenal. Period. I can't I had I had a we had a discussion one day and I when they were growing up I, they were raised in church. Mm-hmm. We kind of, you know, did bounce church from church or whatever, but the the foundation was there. And then when they were, with all my kids, they were in their um, middle school age era mm-hmm. up until probably two years into high school. Mm-hmm. They were going, we were going to church, maybe the first year in high school. Mm-hmm. But they, we were steady into a church that we, they were the only kids that was, in the youth at the church that we were going to. And so they started bringing their friends from school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then they was bringing the friends off the basketball team to church. So it was like every Thursday they had a different group of people that they were picking up. Mm-hmm. Um, the pastor's son would go and pick everybody up. So, you know, the foundation was, was built there, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. I, I've always told them, you know, no matter how I act, no matter how, how many cuss words I say or whatever you think I was like throughout your whole entire life you always just keep God first right and when we had a conversation in the car one day we was going to um see my sister and I don't know what we were talking about but we ended up the conversation ended up being about God Mm -hmm. and Matthew was like I don't believe in God Mm -hmm. and I was like excuse me and he was like, I don't believe in God anymore, Mom. And I was like, why would you say that? I was like, do not say that in my car. I said, because I will put you out of this car right this second. I said, we're not having that. We, no, don't even, I don't even hear that come out your mouth. And at this time, he was 17, 18, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I stayed, you know, I, I kept everything real with my kids. Right. I talked about sex to them. I told them what would happen. I mean, just... I didn't sugarcoat anything with them because 
this world is not going to. You know what I'm saying? Right. I wasn't that scared mom to say, oh, I'm not going to talk about sex. No, I didn't. I just felt like there were certain ages that was appropriate. When yeah, they went they to middle to school, know. I didn't want to, but I knew that I had to because mm-hmm. that's where it starts at, when they start learning about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the reason why he said he didn't believe in God is because he didn't understand why God would allow somebody to take his sister away from him. And so I told him, I said, Matthew, I said, look, I can't explain that to you. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. And not to say that God allows it. I said, but I don't know why certain things happen the way that they happen. I don't know that, you know, why people get killed. I don't understand, you know, why somebody dies in a car accident. I don't, I don't understand any of that. I can't explain that to you. Right. It's just, a, it's just the way life goes. I said, but at the same time. When something tragic happens, I said, you have to pray and you have to let God teach you why this happened. And some, you have to learn something from something tragic or good. It doesn't matter. Right. And I said, you know what? I'm going to tell you something, Matthew. And I don't know where this came from. And I told him, I said, boy, I said, you better repent. I said, you better ask God to forgive you for what you said. I said, because... One of these days, I say, God's going to get you into a situation mm. where you ain't going to have Nothing no him. place to turn but to him. Mm-hmm. I said, so you better repent and apologize and tell him to have mercy on you so you're not into that situation. Mm. And then look where we are now. That just gave me goosebumps. At the end of the day, like I tell him, and I, I, now, I will say this, I was in my car praying um, I think maybe he had been a lot, but like maybe six months when this happened. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in my car and I just was praying, not for him, but I was praying for the whole situation. Mm-hmm. I was praying that God would reveal the truth. Mm-hmm. I was praying that God would, you know, bless the victims' families, like he would give them some healing to their heart, that he would comfort them through this time, Mm -hmm. that he would, you know, take the anger from them so they could see, you know, the truth and what really happened, and that they could see that Matthew didn't have anything to do with it, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. like, that they could really, because I put, I separated myself as his mother and thought to myself, how would I feel if that was my child? Right. Like, I want to know answers. I want to know what happened. Right. Did they... Did they suffer? Did they have any last words? Were they scared? Like, right. You know, all those things went through my head as mm-hmm. a mother. Mm-hmm. And that's all I just kept praying about. And instantly, my, everything that I could ever have went through in my life was lifted off of me for like 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. everything, every bondage, uh, stress, heartache, pain like everything for just 30 seconds like real quick i mean i felt like i could float in my car like i could breathe it's just it's an indescribable feeling that you cannot just you can't you can't even describe it Mm -hmm. It, and and hearing that song that says um that uh whatever that gospel song is that tamla man sings when you see Jesus, what are you going to do? Like, you can't do nothing. But when his, the power of God is so strong mm-hmm. that when you see him, you can't do nothing but bow on your knees because it's it's a power that you cannot describe. Right, right. You instantly, when his spirit hits you, 
you instantly fall. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just, and when he hit my spirit, all I heard him say is, Matthew's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. And I wasn't even praying for him. Right. So on that day, I knew that Matthew's going to be okay. And from then, I knew he's going to come home. And yeah. I made my decision then to fully trust God in this whole situation. Yeah. No matter how hard it looked, no matter how hard our struggle was going forward or anything like that, I just said, Lord, and I, and I still to this day, I just keep praying that the truth be revealed. Yeah. Six years later into this almost, this October will be six years. God has done so much, even though to new people that's coming in and looking, mm -hmm. don't see it, mm -hmm. but he has. Because in six years, I've done seven podcasts now, just this year alone. Mm -hmm. I've done seven podcasts. Well, within, well, let me say the fact, since last year in June to now. Mm -hmm. I've done seven podcasts. We got a change.org petition going on that's got like 43,000 something signatures on it. Mm -hmm. um, different YouTube video. Well, there's one YouTube video that's got, I don't know how many uh, views on it now. Okay. Last thing, I, I haven't checked it in a minute to see what the views are. Um, TikToks made this guy a lot of views. Um, I mean, just people all around are hearing about the story. Yeah. And this is what I was, I've been praying for because this is the truth. And now, before, nobody would believe that he was innocent. But now that we've started going to court... And they started doing um, motion hearings and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And they put it on social media. People can now see the truth. Yeah. yeah. So now our approach is not, let me prove that he's innocent or let the, the truth be revealed. Because the truth has been revealed now just through these little court sessions. Right. But now it's getting his attorneys to fight for him the way that they need to fight for him. Because right. they're not trying to. You know, I something stuck out to me in 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 his letter, and and I and I brought it up to uh, Demita yesterday. I said, you know, it's amazing to me how I, I watch a lot of um, true crime TV. You know, I watch a lot of documentaries. You know, people been exonerated, and you know, DNA. You know, th how things work when it wasn't DNA to how things are working now with DNA. And I'm like, it just amazes me how a witness testimony can exonerate someone, but a witness statement or, or, or someone writing a letter saying, hey, I did this is not good enough, but you can convict somebody of the same thing and and i t i said didi i don't who wrote these laws like i'm i'm I, i'm so confused and it, it that's what was on my heart all day yesterday i said i don't understand i don't understand how a witness testimony something of, of a hearsay you know j just me me trusting that you're telling me the truth that you saw this can literally convict someone but a person can say hey I did this. This person didn't do this. They didn't have anything to do with this. And that's not good enough. 
It's I, I, I don't I don't understand it. It's so frustrating and it had me so angry yesterday. I, I told I told Demita, I said, girl, I actually have a headache because that's all I keep thinking about is his letter and, and the letter from Jacob. I don't understand. I don't understand how this is not a win win. Like it's it's right here. Something It's a political battle right now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly what it is. It's it is a just as the way Honeysuckle, uh, Caitlin in Honeysuckle Magazine wrote the articles mm-hmm. is exactly what it is. It's racial bias. It's- Justice for Matthew Baker Jr. Racial bias in McDonough, Georgia could send an innocent man to death row. This is the article written by Kaylin Womack in the Honeysuckle Magazine dated July 12, 2021. A 23-year-old black man may face the death penalty for the murder of four individuals from a 2016 quadruple homicide case in Henry County, Georgia. Matthew Baker Jr. and his co-defendant, Jacob Kosky, have been charged with up to 30 counts related to the crime. Kosky has confessed to the murders. However, Baker must stand trial as his fate is decided by his involvement or lack thereof in the incident. His family argues that racial bias in the Georgia justice system may play a role in the investigation and the lack of solid evidence qualifying Baker for death row. Demita Bishop, co-founder of FAIR, Fighting Against Institutionalized Railroading, a nonprofit that advocates for the re- for the release of people unjustly penalized by the criminal justice system, has been a leading force in addressing the potential unfair or unlawful sentencing of Baker. Bishop's main concern is Baker's race influencing the way the county decides whether he lives or dies. And it's hard and to not put it out there when it's out there. Yeah, I mean, because when... Okay, all the facts is you from, you know, any anybody that can, anybody that can search his name on um, social media, mm-hmm. you can type in Matthew Baker or you can take it, type in Jacob Kosky. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see all the, like half of the news clippings, but not all of them are on there. They, I don't know what they keep doing with some of them. They keep getting deleted off for whatever reason, but the, the I guess the major ones they wanted are on there but you can hear just from the news clippings how they would just say yes jacob jacob koski and matthew baker like now you're putting emphasis on matthew baker and it was the way the whole media wanted to make it seem like was there uh it's jacob koski and his accomplice like his accomplice was emphasized that they're you know, accused of killing four people. He was facing the death penalty. He pleaded guilty but mentally ill and was sentenced to four consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. As part of the plea deal, he waived all rights to an appeal. Another man also faces charges accused of being Kosky's accomplice. Matthew Baker provided the guns. Da, 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 da. They left the bonfire and then they came back. Well, first of all, you all got the fucking story wrong. <laughs> like, completely. You know what I'm saying? Because that's not how it happened. But yet they're listening to the police right so another that's another thing people do not need to listen in to what the news is saying because they hype it up 
mm-hmm. like the radio stations and mm-hmm. stuff to get the ratings up. So let me, that's why every time you turn the news on, it's fucking depressing as hell because all you hear about is police shooting or somebody got killed or somebody this that, and the other or the war i mean it's all soft yeah it's it's, it's hard yeah yeah i don't i don't even like really watching the news i'm gonna be honest with you i don't it's it's too depressing yeah it's too and they depressing. go on and on and on about the same thing and not to mention though you don't have to run a story into the ground and what really pissed me off about the whole situation is two things one you were bashing my son and his name two you keep talking about these people's children over and over and over like they're already not trying to grieve. So they don't want to keep watching news here. And yeah, so-and-so-and-so got killed and they're shot and they're this and then that. Like, to me, that was disrespectful. Yeah. And you that's coming from, and that's so crazy because coming from you, whose son is in this situation, you know, you, you are constantly, you literally are constantly saying something about the parents and the children who were affected and you don't always hear that you don't you don't always hear that so it's like <laughs> i mean you got to i mean you have a heart you know it's you you have a heart your son is is being drugged through the mud but at the same time you are literally saying hey you know but 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 what about this family and their kids and the stuff that they're going through like you could be so mad and so angry and not even care but you do you know i mean I, i'm hearing in, in in everything that you're saying yeah and you know uh this is the crazy thing about it too and thank you for telling me that because that just reassures me that i'm continually doing the right thing because a couple of times I have felt like I didn't care what those parents felt like because of the approach that they came at me. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I went into, you know, mama beast mode and mm-hmm. stuff because mm-hmm. I, I did a podcast my very first time speaking out ever about this other than just people, you know, that I randomly run into uh, at a store or something like that that I might tell a story to because I've been talking about his story for the longest it's just been to people I run into in the streets or all my own stuff and Facebook or whatever. But I did a podcast with Demita when she did the Playfair Friday. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I was really scared and really nervous then because mm-hmm. I didn't know, I didn't know if that was the right thing that I should be doing because the way his attorneys make it is like, you gotta be so, you gotta be careful about what you talk about and all this other stuff. And I got thinking about, I was like, well, there's nothing that I'm going to say that's going to incriminate my son because he's innocent. So what am I scared about talking about? Right. And then I was afraid that I might offend the parents and of the victims. And I was like, you know what? If, if, if I keep praying for the story, the truth to be told, then this is what I got to do. Because obviously the fucking DA is not planning on doing it. So right. let me get this truth out there and let me help them. Hopefully they'll listen, you know? Right. Even if I am his mother, you know what I'm saying? Maybe they will. So we decided to open the phone lines up. And that was good and bad. Okay. So there was a lot of phone calls in about Matthew, about how, you know, if he was a good person or they went to school with him or uh, family members calling in how he was when he was a kid, you know, blah, blah, whatever. And then you got those families calling in. Mm. And they're talking about, 
uh, they better not let him out. I'm going to bust him upside the head with a metal pipe. I mean, he needs to be dead. I'm going to oh. kill him. You know, it's like, and even on social media, <clears throat> when it's all this first happened, it was negative comments everywhere. He needs to die just like they did. Uh, both of them need to rot in hell. Both of them deserve where they go. Fuck the death penalty, just go ahead and execute them. I mean, it was like comments like that I got all the time. Oh, God. So I kind of shut down from Facebook to, uh, so much about reading stuff. Mm-hmm. And everybody else read the comments, but I, I didn't. I stayed away from it. Right. My my family and friends, I told them, don't comment on those things when people comment because it's not going to do nothing but get y'all, you all riled up and more emotional and just you know, lay off of it. Back in 2016, Jacob Kosky, he left a bonfire, then returned with a gun. When police showed up, three people were already dead. A fourth victim died in the hospital. Kosky's sentencing was for today. Four life sentences, one for each death. When we go to the courtrooms, uh, every time we're in court, like, all of our family can't always come and be there. You know what I'm saying? Because right. they work and stuff. Right. But I know when it goes to trial, Whoever can be there, they're going to be there. That's going to be no question, no mm-hmm. ifs, ands, or buts about it. Mm-hmm. Every time we go to court, everybody in those those families just about are there. The mamas, the uncles, the aunties, the grandmas, all of them, they're there. When I walk in there, they're on one side of the courtroom, and I'm on the other. I feel like I'm in a KKK meeting, and I'm the only black person there, and I'm not even fucking black. I'm white. But that's how I feel. Right. Because they hate me so much because of my child that's biracial. Right. And feels that my child has something to do with their child's death. According to a motion filed in Henry County Superior Court on June 26, Koski's public defenders have asked for the details in the agreement made with Mackenzie Jude Walton, Koski's sister, when she pled guilty to aggravated assault earlier this year. Walton was sentenced in May to 10 years with two years to serve in prison on the condition she testified truthfully against her brother. It was Walton that called 911 to report the quadruple shooting at the Moccasin Gap Road house party the morning of October 27th last year. According to the police, police testimony heard in preliminary hearings suggests that Walton identified Koski 23 as the shooter. Henry County detectives said Walton ran and hid in a shed on the property when she heard a voice she believes was her brother telling everyone to get on the ground. Thank you guys for listening. Stay tuned for bonus episode 10, part two, with the continued interview with Angie Lanier, Matthew Baker Jr.'s mom, And of course, Jojo and Michelle. This is bonus episode 10, part one. You can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. For episode updates, upcoming live episodes, discussion forms, and contact information, please visit the website, wetlockchronicles.com.